It's the Smart City Podcast. Whoa, with smart city experts, here we go. Connecting smart technology, both big and small. Smart cities are making life better for all. Big data, emerging trends, self-driving cars, and more. The Smart City Podcast is what you're looking for. Hello, Smart City friends. How are you today? Um. We are at episode 50, which is really exciting. I thought I'd throw in this little bonus because I wanted to take up the 50 spot. So what I thought I'd share with you is some key themes from the Future Cities, Future Leaders delegation, um, which was led by the Minister of Tourism, Trade and Investment, uh, Stephen Chobo. So you've heard me talk about that a little bit, um, but I thought I'd share some of my insights from that and also want to talk a little bit about uh, Churchill Fellowship as well. Okay, so before I talk about the actual delegation itself, I want to tell you something that happened just after the delegation. So I decided to head to Kyoto um, and it was raining pretty heavily, but hey, I was like, that's fine, like, all good. Um, so I headed out for dinner when I was in Kyoto. It was still raining and really windy, you know, in, you know, inside out umbrella situation. Uh, and then around 10 p.m., my phone started, and I had already gone to bed because I was extremely tired. Um, my phone started making this really strange noise. Uh, so I got all the, and I was like, what? Uh, you know, when you're half asleep, you don't know what's actually happening. And so I was getting these notifications and they were all in Japanese uh, from the government to say to evacuate. And I was like, okay, I'm in the motel. Uh, no one's really told me anything else. I've just kept getting these um, emergency evacuation notices on my phone. And I was like, oh, maybe this is serious. And so I got about five of them. Um, and then they came like every hour, then every half an hour. And Google Translate told me that, you know, should evacuate due to flooding. I wasn't sure which area I was in and it was like, you know, half asleep. So I didn't really think much of it, you know, because the, the hotel hadn't told me anything. Anyway, in the morning I um, kind of, I don't know, not forgot about it, but I'm like, okay, what am I going to do now? And then I was looking at the trains and they were delayed and cancelled and all these type of things. And I was like, okay, this must be serious. Um, and then I uh, called um my insurance my travel insurance and they're like oh yep no worries you can claim whatever and I was like oh, okay so you don't actually tell me what to do and they're like nah and I was like okay that's fine so I um then called Oz Trade um who you know had organized a delegation and basically Scott told me to go to the train station and um yeah sort it out from there so I really wanted to get back to Tokyo uh like I wasn't overly worried about getting stuck in Kyoto because um, I felt pretty safe because I was kind of in the middle of town. But uh, I had to get back because I'd organised my sister's baby shower on the Sunday. So I had to get back to Tokyo. And, I mean, thank God for technology is the point of this story because I realised in that moment that I was very much alone in the world except for Siri uh, and, um, and Google. And so I used my phone and my laptop to basically plan my evacuation. I mean, that sounds very dramatic, but I basically spent the next uh, 
day at the train station trying to get out um and you know technology was giving me updates as well as you know bought my ticket and all that kind of stuff and um you know I could talk to my friends family back home and also a bit of entertainment as well you know I think I posted on LinkedIn that day uh and you know etc etc so it was a, a a really interesting experience just of how um how different it would have been if I didn't have technology and that it really aided me and there was no way it hindered me in this circumstance. So I just wanted to share that little anecdote. Um, and eventually I made it back to um, Tokyo. Apparently there was the train that I was supposed to be on uh, got stuck was the word used um, at Osaka. And uh, so anyway, our train already being two hours delayed, other trains were coming. Anyway, that's not the point. But I made it to Tokyo and, you know, eventually flew out the next um, night. So that was okay. But I booked all my accommodation, uh, which is just normal these days, right? Booked all my accommodation ahead of time on my phone, um, you know, was getting regular updates on my phone. People could call me. Um, I could text people. I could post on LinkedIn, etc., etc. So, yeah, I just want to share that little anecdote. Now, to the actual delegation. So I've got... I've written down like 11 things here, uh, which we'll see how many we get through. So first of all, Australia did a really awesome job of choosing who was in the delegation. Um, we were all really from diverse backgrounds and in a work sense, um, and it really made the conversations really interesting. Um And we really got some different interactions. So I'm really used to dealing with... I guess engineers and now planners. Um, but I was talking to people, uh, you know, CEOs and technology people and, you know, people think differently. And I found that really fascinating having these really great conversations. And also um, I never considered myself an urbanist, you know, or a placemaker, but uh, that was kind of coming up in conversation. So just some different terminology um, that people were using and that I could kind of relate to. So that was really really awesome. So number two was that uh, relationship building is key. So those connections. So um, for me, it was just as important to meet the people in Japan as it was to meet the people that were in the delegation as well, because I want to know who else is doing similar work or, you know, in the same space as me, because we can collaborate together. I never see it as competition um, at all. It's always collaboration. And I'm really excited um for some of those connections that I've made and, um, you know, to get people on the podcast, but not just that, but actually, you know, do some, I mean, the podcast is real, but do some real kind of work together as well. Um, see what we can kind of create and co-create together. Um, and that community aspect as well. So kind of creating this smart city community that it's not about, um, you know, dollars. It's just about a community where we can have really cool conversations. So, um, three is about, Japan is now focusing on the three P's, they call it, so people, production, and participation. So essentially, um, you know, the participation part, getting more women in the workforce and keeping women in the workforce, you know, after they've chosen um, to have children or, or whatever they want to do. Um, so I found that really fascinating because I really felt like Australia can offer a lot in this space. I mean, we're all we're all kind of still on the journey, but... I think Australia can really help with that um, 
startup space as well and that diversity. So having diversity of thought, having, um, you know, the entrepreneurialism because uh, it's still very traditional in Japan and I I think it's all changing. You know, they, their approach to innovation, which I talk about a bit later, is um, is a bit is different to ours because it has to be because of the circumstances that they've had to um go through. So I think um in that diversity space, I think we can have some really friendly conversations, and Australia can really uh help Japan thrive because that's what they're focusing on. It's not like we're telling them what they should do or not do. It's actually helping them um achieve their three P goal so number four is that australia can offer a lot in the global conversation of smart cities i've had a lot of conversations on the podcast about um where we think australia ranks and all that kind of stuff and you know mixed responses based on people's experience which is you know obvious um or expected i should say and it's been really interesting to kind of you know, you think of um korea and japan as quite advanced in technology and in some cases they are uh, but in some cases, yeah, Australia can really add a lot to that conversation. And I think that we're not so far behind. Um, we're just doing, we're focusing on different things, you know. Uh, and so I think it's going to be that global conversation between, you know, Australia, Japan, Korea, um, Europe. I think Australia can add something. We really shouldn't discount ourselves as being leaders uh, in certain aspects, but also that we can learn from each other as well. It doesn't matter who's actually leading it's that collaboration piece again so yeah I thought that was really interesting um which leads on to the next one which is there's some stuff in Japan that's really advanced um but there's some stuff that that isn't and which really surprised me like um I use cash a lot which I don't normally use um and the when I went to change I just I normally change and you know a couple hundred dollars before I go somewhere just so I have some cash for emergency purposes or whatever, cabs or whatever, um, and the guy behind the counter uh, at the TravelX or whatever it was uh, said, oh, yeah, cash is, um, you know, uh, or Japan is very cash heavy, you know, make sure you've got a lot of cash. And I was like, oh, okay. And I thought he was just trying to upsell me basically to get 500 bucks or whatever it was. Um, anyway, so, but, yeah, it turns out he was not lying to me. Um, and, yeah, these cash a lot like places that I would go into on the last day because I'd run out the cash so I didn't have to um, – transfer it back and I was you know trying to use my card and it's like no 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 cash only cash only and and you know these were upscale places kind of thing well not upscale I'm, I'm not upscale um regular you know uh restaurants and things where you know you would spend maybe 30 dollars or you know more than that not just a coffee shop or something like that so yeah I found that really interesting and I think a lot of the the tech side um which we get fascinated about is like you know the robot restaurant and like the um automatic sushi train and that kind of thing which is quite old technology um and you know it's just what they've kind of um like focused on and it is fun it is interesting but yeah um uh, that really kind of surprised me the kind of uh peaks and troughs of technology in in japan um and this number six is that there's a lot more to see so we were only there for well the delegation was three days i was there a week altogether but I spent a day or two at the train station, Kyoto, et cetera. Um, but, yeah, there's so much more to see, and I'm really excited to go back there, um, which I'll talk about a little bit uh, later. And so, yeah, this is really just the beginning. Um, we went to a lot of kind of tech companies, but I really want to have conversations with um, the cities so or the, the regions and the cities 
sort of government agencies and that kind of thing and see what they're doing, what projects they're doing, what collaborations they're doing. Um, so I think that's really important. So, yeah, that's so much more to see. Um, this is really just the beginning, so I'm excited about that. I want to add this one in here that uh, Korea is really also highly advanced and I think we forget about Korea sometimes. We don't even think about Korea sometimes because um, it's not on our radar, whereas Japan is on our radar, right? So I just wanted to add that in. They're not the same, obviously, um, similar regions. Um, but I think that it, there's lots of um, lots of things that are similar. So I kind of go into this. So uh, things that Korea and Japan have in common. So both um, the cultures are very different but also very polite. So I really enjoy the business um, side of things because – uh, it's all about relationship building and which I really, I really love that. Um, so it's not just about hard and fast kind of our business deals. It's actually about building that relationship together. Um, both have really great transport, public transport. Uh, careers is better, but I didn't say that. Um, but in saying that though, the, the traffic in Japan was much less, which I, well, it might have just been, um, circumstantial like when I was there but that's what I felt because there's still a lot of congestion in Korea so they haven't quite solved that and maybe it's to do with density I'm not sure I mean there's more people in Japan but I'm not sure about the density of places so but yeah great public transport both of them um but yeah I found Korea much easier to use but maybe I'm a bit biased because I, I lived there for three months um both have really amazing food um which are both are very, very, very different, which I loved. Um, I love trying new food, new things. Um, both have this really interesting mix of very old stuff, oldish stuff. So, you know, you kind of 60s, 70s vibe, 80s vibe, whatever. Um, and then they have the very new and advanced stuff. So both have that kind of, um, that similar feel where it's not all flashy high-tech lights and that kind of thing. They have a mixture, which I find really um, interesting. And both in both places, really relatively easy to get around despite having strong language barriers. Um, people say that uh, Japan is quite easy to get around, and I found that. I found the same in, in Korea as well. Um, but, yeah, there is language barriers there. But, I yeah, learn a few um, phrases and, and, and you'll be okay. Again, with the aid of technology, I think, um, because, yeah, both are quite well connected. I would say Korea, for me, was a bit more connected. Um, I could get around a bit easier in Korea with technology, um, fastest internet in the world. I'm not sure what it's like. Uh, well, I was there, but I, I wasn't going to get why. I wasn't going to get a data um you know, data pack or whatever, thought thinking I could just use Wi-Fi, but then I got on the train from the airport and didn't have Wi-Fi, which I thought was pretty interesting. But anyway, I digress. Um, both have really great alleys and nooks, um, although Itaewon really wins out, which is in Korea. So really rich culture and just really fun. Like that was really fun. And both have these friendly mountains that you can go and um, you can go and – uh, climb and it's quite easy or you know hike quite easy I will say that Japan had much more green space which I loved um, so on the last day when I was a bit tired after spending all day at the train station um, so on the Saturday I I just walked around I don't even know where I was to be honest uh, I was in uh, Shinjuku gardens or something and it was just amazing and you could really block out the city 
Korea has this as well, but there are more green spaces um, in Japan, which I think really helps with just that, um, call it city anxiety, like that you're just buzzing all the time because of the city. So, yeah, I found um, yeah more green space in Japan um, and I found, yeah, that really kind of, um, that last day was really good just to walk around and, you know, have beautiful, um, you know, Japanese gardens to kind of just relax in. And it kind of blocks out the noise as well of the city. Um, yeah, it, it was really interesting. So number eight is that there's some really cool people in Australia working in the smart city space. Um, I mean, that kind of, I've already kind of talked about this in number one, but there, there really is. And People wouldn't necessarily say that they're working in the smart city space, but I learned a lot about, um, I want to learn more about, to be honest, uh, the circular economy. Um, so with Ashley, uh, you know, uh, like Emma from Hendry, um, they wouldn't, it's not, you know, a smart city company necessarily, but it's actually uh, maybe even more organic in the fact that they were a company working in, a successful company working in the traditional market and then they've actually moved with the times and are um are pushing into that smart city space without even calling it that and so I found that really really interesting and then you've got people that um you know and they're not necessarily called smart city again but that technology space and how that kind of fits in with these other kind of people like we can't we can't do everything all of ourselves you know we've got little niches and I found what I'm trying to um to work out at the moment is my niche like what what do I want to offer in a niche space and I can't necessarily worry about all the rest of it but I can offer something really great in that niche space so that's what I'm kind of working on at the moment um so number 10 which I think I skipped number nine but anyway number 10 is approach to innovation so I think that approach to innovation um is different to the Japanese. So what I experienced was more that Japan kind of do a lot of innovation in-house in the big companies. So they just, um, you know, kind of innovate as they're moving forward. And also, like, there's that one, that that part of it, but then there's the overcoming. They have to overcome these, you know, natural disasters and they recreate themselves and rebuild um, and then and then move forward that way, which both, you know, that's, that's really exciting. I guess in, we, in Australia, we've kind of had the luxury that we can go outside these big organizations and there's this entrepreneurial, um, kind of movement happening, uh, at the moment or, you know, has been happening the last few, however many years. Um, and so that's where the, that's where we see the innovation happening, but actually there's lots of innovation happening in house in, um, big organizations as well so I don't think there's any right or wrong answer it's just what we've had to deal with and overcome so I found that really interesting uh, number 11 is the aging population so Japan is really dealing with this or struggling with this or you know faced with this challenge at the moment of the aging population and also declining population um, which you know, there's a lot of people in Japan, um, but if they want to uh, maintain that quality of life, um, they're going to really struggle with this declining population. And urban migration um, was another issue that they defined. So people 
leaving the regional areas and moving into the cities. Now, both of these, so the ageing population and urban migration, are key issues for Australia Australia as well. Um, Not the declining population, we've actually got population growth in the you know capital cities but we do have declining population um, due to urban migration in the regional areas uh, or some regional areas so we can definitely learn from each other um, they'll obviously be very different because of uh, just the different environments that we're going to have to deal with um, obviously you know the density and and all that kind of stuff but at the end of the day we're both human beings and um, our cultures may be different, but uh, yeah, when you when you drill down to it, we're we're all human beings at the end of the day, and we all just want you know a decent quality of life. So I think we can really learn from each other in that space. So that could be a real area of um, co-creation and collaboration, um, and how we're going to maintain. Um, our quality quality of life as we move into this aging population and urban migration period, um, and kind of how are we going to? I mean, do we see these as challenges, um, problems? We're going to try and stop this. Are we going to? I mean, you can't really stop people from aging, um, but you know, the urban migration piece is. Um, I mean, me as you would know, I I'm really passionate about um, allowing people to make the choice to live in the regions. And not feel like they have to move to the city to work on, you know, cool projects or be, you know, um, work in in the space that they're interested in. Uh, and and I think that that might be a key issue for Japan as well. Um, and so, yeah, it, it will be really interesting to see where we can move um, with this. And, you know, we can definitely adapt things to suit both environments. Obviously, we don't have earthquakes here, but Japan, you know, very prevalent earthquakes. So we can't just, you know, slap uh, what we did in Australia over there and vice versa because they'll be very different. So that's my, I think I gave you 10, but I numbered them 11 because I've got number nine here, which is um, toll booths, which I'm not sure what I was on about there. Oh, mainly I think that piece of, Korea has toll, manned toll booths as well, uh, and I find that fascinating um, that, you know, Australia have really pushed ahead very early on. I, well, I don't even know if it was early on, but um, that, you know, we've removed the people from the toll booths and it's all, you know, um, via uh, e-tags. Um, so it's just one of those examples where uh these kind of, you know Japan and Korea are quite really advanced but they still have men toll booths and why they why that's the case um it might be because you know really strong unions and all that kind of stuff so I, I found that um fascinating as well so the other thing I wanted to just touch on is that uh so I've been preparing for I don't know if I mentioned but uh Churchill Fellowship now I had the interview on the 14th, so a couple of weeks ago now on the third, on the Saturday. Unfortunately, I was ill all week coming back from Japan. But anyway, I prepared for the interview and um, I think it went um, pretty well. Uh, they could really sense my passion, I think, um, which they mentioned. And I found it really uh, a really great experience because it did help me to kind of cement my message and also like what is it? that I'm actually passionate about, what is it I want to do 
um, in this space. So my area uh, that I've chosen for the project is smart mobility. So not just connected and autonomous vehicles, um, that's a key part, uh, particularly in that connected space, as you've heard me speak about before. Um, but also uh, I really am keen on learning more about uh, what people are doing for mobility as a service and also the shared economy um, and shared mobility. So what people are thinking and how that's kind of um, going to progress. So they're the type of things that I'm keen on. So I'm looking at going to uh, Orlando, uh, Toronto, back to Japan, back to Korea, um, but in meeting different people. Um, a career will be similar um, similar to the people I've met before, but um, they've kind of moved forward in some of those projects that I visited in 2016 and there's different projects happening, so I'm really excited to go back. Uh, Barcelona, Amsterdam, um, UK and Cape Town. So I've contacted a couple of these people uh, uh, who I really want to visit, but I'm looking to... Um, to connect with more people. So if you know anyone in smart mobility uh, around those areas, uh, let me know. I'd be really keen. So I haven't got it yet. I should mention that. Um, so I've been nominated. Uh, so after I, I was successful in the interview, so I've been nominated. And uh, if I am selected from the national board, uh, that will be in September. I'll find out. So I just want to put the call out there now if anyone – knows anyone in smart mobility. It doesn't necessarily have to be in those areas because maybe I can flick somewhere else um, as well. Uh, please let me know. I'd be going um, in the, the first, like from May to, I'm oh, sorry, from March to May next year if I am selected. So just want to start putting the feelers out in that space and, um, yeah, let me know. So I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode uh, and it's number 50. So we're at 50 already, which is just amazing. And thanks so much for all of your support. Um, I'm really keen to see, to hear from all of you, I guess, and, and, and see where these collaborations, um, with this, uh, with the uh, Japanese delegation go. And then, um, in the future, you know, this, uh, if, if I'm successful in this Churchill fellowship, um, the other global conversations that I can start to have or continue to have, I should say. So again, thanks so much for listening. And I'll talk to you all again soon. See ya. It's the Smart City Podcast. Whoa. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart City Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes can be found at thesmartcitypodcast.com. If you have any questions or comments for me or any of my guests, connect with me via email, zoe at thesmartcitypodcast.com or via the socials. I'm on Twitter and Facebook at smartcitypod. As always, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. Smart City Podcast is what you're looking for.